Hey, what's going on, folks? Andrew here on the Buy Back Your Life show. Today, we're talking about the 10 financial principles every person needs to know. And these are 10 things that I've learned over the years. It didn't take me like a quick amount of time to com compile all this knowledge. It took me a lot of experiences and, and kind of painful moments to bring these all together. So these are the top 10 for me that I want you guys to kind of understand in here. We're going to try to get this done in under 20 minutes today to keep you guys uh, on a short episode. So number one, you want to spend less than you make. So if you're making 3,000 bucks a month, you want to spend less than $3,000. Why is this? It's because you don't want to go into debt with your spending habits. That can be a slippery slope and kind of, kind of bankrupt yourself over time if you're always spending more than you make. You're going to put things on your credit card. There's crazy interest rates there. We'll talk about that in a little bit later. Uh, you just want to make sure you're always kind of keeping things in check and understanding where your money goes. That doesn't mean you have to have a budget that is like zeroed out to every cent. I don't have one of those myself. I don't believe in that. But I do believe in having an understanding where your money goes. And if you track your money, you will understand where it's going and you can easily kind of figure out a way to spend a little bit less, have some leftover for investing and other things in your life that actually matter. That's number one. Number two, pay yourself first. If you're going to set up an investment account, if you want to create a savings account, if you just want to have some extra money lying around for a rainy day, the easiest way to do this, it's just it's human nature to kind of get the money, start spending it. We don't like if we wait till the end of the month to save our money, we always kind of have not as much left that we want to. That's my experience at least. So what I do now is that I have my paycheck come in and when I when money comes in, it automatically takes off 10, 15, 20%, whatever it may be, the more the better because uh, then you can have more options to spend it or to invest it. But you take off a certain percentage, let's say 10% minimum, and that goes into a separate account right off the hop. So payday is on Thursday, Friday morning, 10%, boom, out of your account, gone. And I think what you'll find is that you won't even know that it's really missing anymore. You're not going to see because you're only going to have that amount that's left to work with. And it's kind of like when you when you have a big kind of supper with people, if there's not that much food on the table and everybody just takes a little bit, there's always enough for everybody to get some, right? So there's always going to be enough for you to get some money and kind of have what you need to survive. If you take that kind of chop that little bit off the top at the beginning, put in a different account and that another account's going to grow really, really quickly. You're going to be like, oh shit, I have like, 5000 10000 $20,000 in that account because you've been doing this consistently over time, taking a little bit off your paycheck, boom, in that account, gone. You don't even see it. Don't think about it. won't matter. So pay yourself first. Uh, let's talk about good debt versus bad debt for number three. Uh, the difference here is that when you're a consumer, there are different ways to kind of finance your way uh, to wealth. And that's uh, through investing, right? So if you want to invest in something like a business, uh, in, a, in, a, in a rental property, in the stock market, in buying buying assets, that's, that's just a general thing. If you were buying an asset and an asset is something that can then kind of spit off money for yourself and like you're spending money to, to buy more money or you're, you're buying income is the easiest way to think about it. If you spend money to buy income, that is considered good debt. If you're spending money to buy something that takes more money away from you, that is considered bad debt. And the, the biggest example is, is buying a car or an automobile. If you buy a vehicle and you have to pay for the insurance, and you have to pay for gas, and you have to pay for mechanic repairs and all this other stuff, you are buying something that is a depreciating asset. It's going to lose its value over time. You want to buy things that gain value over time and then pay you along the way. A car is, is a terrible investment. It's one that we all pretty much need to have in this kind of world. Unless you're living in a big city, the transit's really good, but it, it's, it's a necessity for a lot of people because of the way our, our society is created and, and set up. But it is a money-sucking asset that is that is bad debt, in my opinion. I'm going to say it. And if you're if you're borrowing a lot of money to pay for a car and it's like an eighty thousand dollar vehicle, like what are you doing? Like that is that is bad debt that you're going to have to pay for. I would much rather spend 
$10,000 on, on a crappy little car that gets me where I need to go and have $70,000 to invest in the stock market or in, a, in rental property. And that, that'll have, give me a chance to kind of make money long-term from that versus buying a car that's going to depreciate right away and uh, not have the chance to do that. So knowing the difference between good debt and bad debt is a huge kind of important thing to kind of get to that next level as a, a financial kind of guidelines and as an investor. Next up, the credit card interest rate is a killer. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but most credit cards are anywhere from 19 to 20, 22, 23, 24, 25%, which is just bonkers, which means if you don't pay your credit card bill, you have hundred bucks sitting there, you're going to get an extra 25 bucks tacked on each month. You don't pay your bill, but it doesn't stop there. Like it's, it's one 100 first month. It's going to be 125. It's going to be like 155. because you're going to be adding 30 bucks. It's going to keep growing, growing, growing. And there's not a lot of stuff out there that you can actually invest in and get a 30, 25% return. So if you can limit the amount of credit card interest you're paying to zero, always pay your credit card off in full, the full like the full amount each month. That is a huge benefit to you long-term. You never want to pay credit card debt. You never really want to pay debt that's over, I'm going to say like, geez, anything over 8% is pretty tough to get around. Sometimes you can do it in short spurts if you're like flipping houses and stuff, but you don't want to be paying anything more than like seven, eight percent for for debt. And if you have a mortgage like that, that's a little bit different story. But the credit card stuff is bad. It is such a high debt level; it's so hard to get out from underneath of. And if you if you let it kind of snowball, it can be crippling to get out of the credit card debt. So try your best to not have any kind of interest coming off your credit card because it is at such a high level. The 25 percent is just it's just too much to pay down. If you have debt and you have the highest interest rate on your credit card, make sure you pay that off first and get that off, off your books and then work to kind of pay off the rest of debt. But keep the credit card debt to a minimum. Never pay interest if you can on the credit card. It is a killer. And the credit card stuff kind of tails into the next, the next point is that the idea is that if you can invest and get a better return than paying off your debt, then think about doing that. So what I mean by this is that if you like you have a mortgage, let's say you, you lucked out and you got a mortgage and you kind of cashed it in and fixed it uh, for five years at like 2%. Right, so you're paying two percent your mortgage, and you can go and then invest in a a uh, stock. And let's say you can you can average the stock market's ten percent. Well, if you can not like the options that are there would be to pay off your mortgage early and like put more more towards the principal of your mortgage, paying it off a little bit early, but you're only paying two percent of that money. If you go and invest that that money instead in the stock market and make a ten percent return, you're now making ten percent versus two percent. So you're, you're you're making a net gain of like eight percent on the money that you would have spent paying down the mortgage. So you take 10,000 bucks and do that and you can make an 8% return. There's in a couple, there's like 800 bucks right there in your account versus paying off your mortgage, which would have been about 200 bucks you would have paid off instead with the same amount of money. So it's it's doing that kind of equation in your mind. And the only thing that comes into it that is different is that if, if your risk tolerance is a little bit different, it can be hard to do that and hard to see the win in doing that. Because I know some people like to just get their mortgage paid off and like if their house is paid off, they have security, their, their shelter's paid off. That's great. And they, that's what they want to do. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. But it is the wrong thing in a mathematical way to do that first. If you can make more money in, in, in something else, I always an advocate for invest and then use that kind of uh, the, the money that you make in your investment to pay off the mortgage if you want to. Or in, if you have a business that's putting off cash flow because you invested in it, use that money to pay down some of your debt and do it that way because you can secure these assets that give you money long-term and give you money forever. You can always use them to pay off the debt later. Um, that's, that's kind of the way that I like to do it. And so if you can kind of make that decision in your head and kind of make those kind of plus minus do the math and just see what's the better return, 
Think about it before you go and go and just invest on the lowest amount of debt that you have. And maybe you guys have heard the next one. And the next one is called the rule of 72. And if you want to know how fast your investment is going to double, it's called the rule of 72. So if you have an investment that is growing at, let's say 4% annually. So every year you're getting 4% on your return. Uh, it's going to just be, the, it's an equation like this. You take 72, you divide it by four. And it means that in 18 years is the result. 18 years, your investment is going to double if you get 4% every single year. So obviously if you have a higher percentage return, and I like to use real estate because I've, I've, I've gotten 20, 25, 30% on real estate returns year over year. That's just the way they're set up because I've got them uh, at, at really good deals. But if you get a 30% return, let's say, so you own 72 divided by 30, your money is going to double every 2.4 years. So the higher your return uh, percentage, the quicker your money is going to obviously double. And if you want to figure out a way to actually figure out when your money is going to double, use the rule of 72, divide 72 by the interest you're making on your investment. And that will give you the result of how many years it's going to take to double your money. The next one is all about your credit score. And I didn't realize this until I actually went to start buying houses and understanding the impact of having a good credit score. It, it is it's a game changer. When your credit score sucks, you are paying more in interest. You're getting worse rates. You're getting unfavorable terms, more fees, and you're maybe not even getting approved at all for different things that you want to have, which makes life a little bit more difficult. If you can't secure that car, or you can't get an auto loan, or your auto loan is going to be 10, 20% versus a 5% for somebody with a really good credit score. Uh, maybe you can try to get an apartment or you're going to rent, rent a space for a little bit, but your credit score is so bad, you can't actually get your application approved because your credit score, credit score sucks because uh, landlords tend to look at that. Um, your credit score does matter and you can start building it from a young age with just a, a, a credit card, a, a bill in your name, your phone bill maybe. And if you can secure a really good credit score, anything above like 700, 750, if you push it under the 800, you're getting like the best deals out there for credit. You are looked at by banks and lenders as a safe bet to repay your money. And that's all they're kind of looking for. Like just people who consistently pay back their, their, their debt and they never default, they never miss payments, and you get access to better rates. And by contrast, you're going to spend a lot more, or you're going to spend a lot less on your on your things like your mortgage, your car loan, anything like that. It's going to be way less personal line of credit. It's going to be way less than someone who has a bad credit score. And you're going to save yourself a lot of money in the long term if your credit score is good. You take care of it, you protect it, and it can be an, it can be an asset to you uh, long term if you if you treat it the right way. The seventh principle I want to share is that there is a limitless amount of money out there and everybody can give what they want in this world. If you're thinking about uh, people are stopping you or there's not enough cash out there for you to get like enough money to become as wealthy as you want to be, that is that is incorrect. It is plainly simply incorrect. There is an infinite amount of money out there that you can go get and create for yourself and for others. It's this kind of idea of scarcity that holds people back sometimes that, oh, I, there's, I can't do this. There's not enough money in that, in that marketplace. There's not enough money here or there. I can't do it because it, there's just not enough. There's not enough to go around for everybody, but that's not, that's not true at all. You can go get whatever you want in terms of cash and money and income and go get that and secure that for yourself. And I can do the same. And my friend can do the same. My brother can do the same. Like if there's so much cash out there, there is just this abundance. It's called uh, abundance of cash flow out there. And if you just take the idea that there is abundance versus scarcity you'll have a lot easier time attracting money to you. And it's this concept that I kind of had to learn the, the hard way in real estate. I felt like, oh, if I don't get the exact perfect deal, uh, someone else is going to take it, someone else is going to steal it. But there are endless amounts of deals, especially in real estate, in the stock market. There are always kind of deals out there for you to kind of see and sift through and, and choose. So if you if you figure out the best kind of mindset around money, it's that there, there is limitless money out there for you. You just have to figure out a way to go get it and you can get as much as you want 
as little as you want. Just have that abundance mindset and it will start to flow to you more readily. On to number nine, and that is that you need to manage your money or it will manage you. And what I mean by that is that you have to understand how your accounts are set up, where your money's flowing every month. And if you don't do that, you're going to be left at the end of the month thinking like, oh, I can't believe I spent that much on groceries or I can't believe I spent that much on eating out or I can't believe I spent that much on uh, concert tickets, whatever it may be. Like you're going to have to get an idea of where your money's going. And like, like I said, not just having like a budget that tracks every single dollar and cent, but just a general idea is what I like to use and what works for me is that I understand my fixed housing costs is around this much and I have this much for gas every month and I do this kind of, and if there's a little bit less and more, like I understand that, but there's a general kind of buffer built in so that if it goes over by a little bit, that's not a big deal, but I understand where my money's tracking to and like what I'm spending it on. So if you don't do that, your money will disappear and it will manage you and you will understand quickly that you need to get a hold of this thing and you have to kind of turn around. And, and when you do that, it's, it's amazing how much, extra kind of cash you can figure out ways to, to, to move around and where to get money and where to kind of put it and good places to put it in to invest in all that kind of stuff but you have to kind of have an idea of where your money's flowing to so you can actually turn that tap and then move it into a different bucket and make sure you're filling up the buckets that'll move you ahead in life versus ones that are just kind of got little holes in the bottom and they're kind of sifting out and your, your money's going away from you and the last one is that you need to need to need to need to it is a duty of people who understand this stuff and have knowledge and they're making money and it's working, you have to share. You have to share the information. Don't be the hermit, Scrooge McDuck type of person where you're just going to keep it all to yourself. That is not the way we get ahead in society as a whole. Yes, we live in a kind of a capitalistic world here in, in the US and in Canada, but the more you win, the more you succeed, the more you should share your success with others and help them succeed as well. It's about coaching people, educating people, lifting them up, doing more for others than you do for yourself. That is how we can create a better, more economically stable world. And the more educated we all are, the better options we have at our disposal to kind of create a better place for all of us to enjoy. So those are the top 10 financial principles. Make sure you're sharing knowledge. Make sure you're getting out there. If you guys want to go back and review these, uh, these principles, do that play it on 2.5 or two speed and just go rip through them, but just go back and understand them and they will serve you well over time. They have served me well. I incorporate them into my day-to-day -day kind of routine. And the more, you know, knowledge is power, the more you are better prepared and have options in this game we call life. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, if you want to chat or connect with me, Andrew at tradingoptiondaily.com. You can also check out some free resources and free guides. I've got a little bit of a, a PDF kind of guidebook on tradingoptiondaily.com. I send out a weekly email newsletter as well that has kind of investment, uh, business, personal growth kind of tips and hacks every single Thursday. So if you want to jump on that email list, make sure you go to tradingoptiondaily.com and sign up for the newsletter. It is free to do so. And other than that, hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening to the episode and I will check you out later.